I met um, my abuser through my mom. He worked with my mom. And my I went in to visit my mom one day at work, and she kept telling me how this guy kept coming into her office and asking about me. She had pictures on her desk. And <clears throat> so I had went out to the warehouse to meet him. And um, we would hang out every now and then. It wasn't anything serious. Um, then finally, maybe about after a couple months or so, we started going out a little bit more regularly. I started, you know, I'm going to see him at work for lunch, and we got pretty close. And then uh, about a year, a year to a year and a half in, I was getting ready to move out of my current house, and he had asked me if I wanted to move in with him, with the kids. And so we went ahead and we did that. And at this point, I think there was a lot of red flags that I didn't want to acknowledge. I saw um, a lot of controlling behavior, a lot of questioning, a lot of telling me what I could and could not wear, could and could not do. Um, but I think when that you're young and you you see it as they really like you and that's why they feel that way, I think, or I don't know what it is in our head that makes us think that that's okay. Um, it wasn't until we moved in with each other that it got very physical. It was about three months in or so. And um, he was upset. The first time he was upset, uh, he blamed it on something that was going on at work. But I had made some food, and I didn't make it the right way. And the right way was the way his mom made it, which was the only right way for anything to be done. If it wasn't done the way his mom did it, you know, it was wrong. And he threw the plate on the floor, and we ended up fighting. And it got pretty physical that day. My neighbor called the police. Of course, when the police got there, I lied, and I said that, um, you know, it, it, the plate fell, and he didn't hit me, and I put a sweater on when I heard them pull up so that they wouldn't see any marks on me. Um, that happened probably, I want to say at least once a week, where it was some sort of, you know, something went bad at work, so it was me that paid for it. Um, we got really heavy into drugs. Um, for at one point, it was a sexual thing. You know, we were gonna we, we were gonna do drugs, and it was gonna help us out. You know, and <clears throat> I'd gotten tired of it, and I didn't want to do it anymore. And I remember he had laid everything out, and I brushed it off into the carpet. And then I was afraid the kids were going to get it, so I had to clean right away and, you know, pretend I just wanted to clean. And I, I, I was so high that I needed to clean the whole house. And um, I started getting tired. And he went off and he beat me so bad um, I couldn't move. I, my legs felt numb. And he said that he, he knew I didn't, I didn't do the drugs. He just wanted to see how long I was going to lie to him for. Um, I didn't want to do the drugs even more so because I had taken a home pregnancy test that night found out that I was pregnant. Um, he didn't care. He said, you know, it didn't matter. It wouldn't harm them. I still needed to do them. Um, it was the only way that our relationship was going to survive. Then as I got a little farther along in the pregnancy and I, um, we had went to the doctor, um, he, you know, he was fine with us stopping and when I went into the doctor, they were doing a little questionnaire, and they had asked if I had any um, signs of domestic violence or if my partner, you know, had ever made me feel scared or worried. And, you know, of course, I answered no. And 
as soon as that appointment was over, when we got in the car, he said, you're not going to these appointments anymore. You're going to tell somebody. And I explained that, you know, I need prenatal care. There's a high-risk pregnancy, and um, he just continued. I was not going to go to the doctor anymore. So my prenatal care stopped at about four months pregnant. Um, I, you know, he didn't, he didn't beat me as much when I was pregnant. Uh, there was a lot of emotional, a lot of verbal abuse, a lot of reminding me that nobody would ever want me because here I am washed up with kids and, um, you know, my body's, my body's nothing to look at. It's ugly. I'm worthless. Um, everything I've ever done, you know, before him was a waste of time because I'm never going to use it. He didn't want me to work. He didn't want me to drive. Um, I remember one day taking the kids to school. I went to go visit a friend after dropping the kids off. We went and we had lunch, and then we went walking around the mall. We waited until the kids were out of school, and I went home. I didn't tell them about it, obviously, because, you know, it would have started a fight, so I just went ahead and, you know, went about my day as if I was home the whole day. And when he got home, he was outside working on the car, and he came back in and throwing things and going crazy, and, you know, I didn't, I didn't understand what was going on, and he said, I tracked your miles. Where did you go today? You didn't tell me you went anywhere. I just asked you, and you told me you know you were home. I said I was home. No, you you went um, 27 miles over what you are supposed to do on a normal day. I've measured everything, and right there, it it kind of clicked in my head. Like I'm dating a psycho. Like he's clocking my mileage. Like who does that? It was just it was weird. Um. I started feeling really lost at that point, and I had nobody to turn to. I kind of shut my mom out. You know, he didn't want me visiting her. I used to talk to my mom every day when we first got together, and, you know, it went where I could go about a week or so, and I wouldn't touch bases with her. And it just kind of started to hit me. And, you know, being pregnant, your hormones, and just all the thinking, it, it just, it was just worse and worse every day. I fell into, like, an ugly depression, and, um, he was upset because I wasn't my happy self. I wouldn't, you know, greet him when he would come home and have dinner ready or the house clean. The house was never clean enough for him, you know. No matter, I, I could clean from top to bottom every day, but there was a water spot in the sink or the stove had a, a mark from, you know, when I made lunch. and It just really bothered him. I was so nervous. I remember one night um, we had a pot and I was making spaghetti and I had the lid on the pot, and I was pouring the water out, and I heard him open the door, and I got so scared. I dropped the pot, and all the water burned me. My whole entire chest was boiling. And he said, I know you don't want me to take you to the hospital. And I remember just sitting there crying, like my body's burning, and he didn't want to do anything for me. And it was just so frustrating. You know, my, my kids are in the other room, and I just felt so helpless. And so I started, I started feeling this more and more and more, and, you know, I finally one day I just said, I'm leaving. And I got up and I was packing my stuff and I, the kids were, were visiting their father that weekend. And, you know, I just said, oh, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. And I started to leave. I went to my mom's and I called their father and I said, you know, you're going to take the kids to my mom's. They're not going to come home. You know, we're, we're going to be at my mom's today. And I remember as I was sitting in my mom on my mom's porch, he pulled up and he looked at me. And he had a gun right at the window of uh, the car, and he called me over. And as I walked over, I saw the gun, 
And he said, you're going to get in the car or I'm going to shoot you and I'm going to kill you in front of your parents' house. I got in the car and I didn't say bye to my parents. I don't even think I had said hi to my parents. I think I had just been there maybe a half an hour. And I was just sitting on the porch to clear my mind. And, you know, I knew, I knew in my heart I was going back, so I didn't want to tell my parents we were having problems. I just made it seem like I was coming to visit. You know, I didn't let them know that anything was wrong. And I got back in the car, and the whole car ride home, as he was driving, he's hitting me, he's stalking me, he's smacking me with the gun. He has a knife on his lap. Um, you know, I, I just remember feeling like this is going to be the rest of my life. This is what my life has come to. I've, I started to believe his words. I'm worthless. I'm shit. I'm, you know, I'm no good. Who is going to want me? I've been through all this stuff. I'm damaged. I'm, you know, I, I, could never, I could never love somebody because I'm going to feel this always. And um, as uh, I got further along in the pregnancy, I made an appointment for my ultrasound. And we had it set, you know, for a while. And he said he was going to take the day off of work, you know. And um, I had made the appointment because I was feeling a lot of pain. And, you know, I... I told them, you know, I need to, I need to check on them. It's not a regular prenatal visit, an ultrasound, you know, no biggie. They're probably not even going to ask me any questions. So the day before, he had said he couldn't get off of work. You know, he wasn't able to change his schedule. And um, he told me I needed to cancel the appointment. So in the morning, I called, tried to reschedule. But there was nothing available for about another month out. I was already almost seven months. Or I was seven months, actually. And um, I just kept the appointment. I didn't tell him. So he went to work. And, you know, when I went into the appointment, uh, they did the ultrasound. And they had been that one of the babies was kind of hiding behind. So when, you know, we had first went, we didn't see anything. They were so small. And um, it ended up being that I was pregnant with twins. And so the tech, she printed out the picture. And she wrote, hi, daddy, on it twice. And, you know, I, I was so excited that, I went to the store, and I, I got a frame, and I got two of everything for dinner, and I was making dinner, and I heard him drive up. We had, like, these gravel rocks in our driveway, so when anybody drove up, you can hear the car coming in. So I was so excited, you know, I'd served everything, left it on the table, and I ran outside, and I handed him the frame, which I had wrapped, and he's like, oh, well, what's this? And, you know, it was a good day. It was actually a really good day. It was the first day he hadn't come home mad in a while, and, you know, he was, he smiling and excited and he hugged me and then you know he goes to open the frame and when he sees what it is he threw it on the floor and he said you went without me and I said yeah they you know I'm awake they didn't have any you know thing for me to to change like I couldn't change the appointments and be another month and he beat the shit out of me in the driveway up into our stairs and into our living room um all the way into our hallway which is where I was um found Later that evening by the police, um, he was beating me so bad, repeatedly kicking me in my stomach and in my back. Um, he told me that, you know, because I disobeyed him, he was he was going to kill me. He, he was sick and tired of me not listening and, you know, how could I not pay attention to him and how could I not listen? His intentions were that night to kill me. And um, we lived in these duplexes, so our, our wall was, um, it was very easy for our neighbor to hear what was going on. And um, I guess she called the police. And the police showed up. And I remember laying on the floor and just thinking, like, man, thank God. You know, they're, they're going to help me. 
Anna, the responding officer, walks in and he says, what's the deal here? And I just watch Greg shake his head and the officers say, it's okay, sometimes my wife has to get it too. She doesn't listen either. And I just remember just feeling like an elephant sat on my chest, like, I'm done. Like, he's really going to kill me. And um, the officer told him to go ahead and get in his car and, and to head on out and that he would he would take care of this were his words. Um, ends up going to the hospital that night. Uh, the ambulance take me in. I'm, my, my pain is getting so bad. Um, I end up going into premature labor. And I delivered two stillborn babies, a boy and a girl, my Derek and my star. Um, that night, July 7th, <laughs> I delivered them. And um, I remember being so out of it. I, I don't know if I was sedated. I, 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 I try so hard to block that time of my life out, that bits and pieces of my story come and go. Um, but I remember hearing the nurse saying, man, I hope I'm not on when she wakes up. I don't want to be the one to tell her. And um, I remember not even asking for my babies when I woke up because I clearly remembered that. And uh, I was in and out of the hospital for about a month or two uh, where they were surprised that I lived. I shouldn't have lived either. And, um, things were ugly. I ended up going back to him, which I know was so many people say why or how after he did this to you. But until you're in the shoes of someone who's being abused, I don't think anybody fully understands the control that they have over your mind. And it's, it's disgusting. It's sick. You know, they, they manipulate you so bad that you believe the things that they're saying. You believe you're worthless. You believe you're never going to find anybody out. You know, um, when I went back, though, I, I went back with the plan this time, you know. I had left home many times, and I always ended up back because he would always find me. You know, I could never, he, he knew where my family lived. He knew he knew my places where I would go. He, he's always going to find me. So I, um, one day when I took my daughter to school, I parked my car at her school, and I took the bus to the welfare office, and I went in there painting. I had my youngest daughter with me. I spoke to a, a caseworker, and I just explained my story to her, and I told her I'm scared. I, I don't know what to do. I, I want out, but I, there's no way for me to get out. You know, I, he's, he's in charge of all the money. You know, if I spend a few dollars, he knows about it. If, if he gave me $20 to go to the store and he didn't think the groceries added up to $20, it was, you know, questions and, and a big fight on where did the rest of that money go, and... You know, so I couldn't, I couldn't save up. I couldn't stock up. So luckily, uh, the worker that initially took my case in, told me she was going to mark me as a confidential case. It was going to be a domestic violence case. I showed her the police reports. I showed her my bruises. I showed her all my hospital paperwork from the babies. And, you know, she was so good. And she explained to me that she had been in the same situation five years prior. And um, she knew what I was feeling. So she uh, she helped me set up my CalWORKs account to where my benefits were going straight to my mom's house, and um, I authorized one of my friends to pick up my benefits, and she just kind of kept the stockpile for me, and I ended up uh, about six and a half months later um, 
I had got in contact with the shelter. I knew where I was going. I knew what I was doing. I had a plan. I was not coming back. I was not turning back this time. You know, one day my daughter asked me, uh, when was the day going to be that he was going to hurt her that way? And that light bulb went on in my head, and I knew that I, I couldn't do this anymore. I couldn't raise my kids this way. It wasn't fair to them. You know, after so many sleepless nights of wondering, should I kill myself and my parents go with my, my kids go with my parents, or should I run away and, you know, their father can take them, or, you know, but after contemplating and, and, you know, getting in the right state of mind, I knew that none of that was the correct thing to do. I knew that nobody could raise my kids the way I could, regardless if I couldn't give them the world. Um, I ended up uh, one night. And, you know, I had already gotten a lot of my, like, important documents out of the house. And when I would drop my daughter off at school, I would drop stuff off at a friend's house and kind of just started building a little bit up. And we had a really big fight. I wasn't I wasn't supposed to leave um, until that Friday. And this was on Monday. And on Sunday night, we had a huge fight. And he hit me so hard. And my head was pounding. I had a big knot on the back of my head. And as I stood in front of the bathroom, you know, ready pretty much to get beat up, he threw a knife from across the room and it landed, it skinned my neck and it landed in the door of the restroom. And right there I just said, you know what, I'm not waiting until Friday. I might not be here on Friday. And um, I got my kids up for school as soon as he left for work. I told them, you guys have 15 minutes. You get to pack a backpack of whatever you want. But whatever you don't take, we're never going to see it again. And my youngest, you know, so innocent, she wanted her toys, you know. That's all she cared about. So we packed a bag of her toys and some books and a couple outfits. And I left my car behind. I was afraid that he could track me had I taken my car. Um, I left so many materialistic items behind that I really didn't care. I walked with my girls down the street and we got on a bus and we showed up at a shelter and we stayed there for quite a few months and I've never looked back since then. I've never wanted to go back. I've never had any desire to to try and see if things would, would be good. I um actually it's just made me so much of a stronger person to never never go back and know my worth and know that I am worth so much more. I, I deserve so much more. I don't deserve to be treated, you know, like shit. I know that I'm a good woman and um it took a long time for me to feel this way because for years I, I, I believed him still. Um, I, I told myself, uh, you know, everything he said was true. He, he, he must know. And it took a lot of counseling. It took a lot of art therapy. It took a lot of me brainwashing myself back. And it took a lot of me actually paying attention to the things that I was really capable of doing. You know, I'm still nowhere where I need to be. I'm not. I, you know, it's hard for me to go back to school because I, I feel like, you know, I, I'm going to fail. I feel like I've failed for this long. You know, I don't want to fail again. And so I kind of just, I keep scraping by and, and you know, just barely making it and, and still struggling. But as long as my kids are taken care of, you know, I'm fine. Um, it's just such an ugly battle thinking, of, thinking about all the difference times and how many times I let myself go. It's, it's really frustrating. and You know, it's even more frustrating that 
somebody I love right now is going through the same thing, not physically, as far as I know, not physically, but mentally and financially, emotionally, she's being drugged through the dirt, and it hurts to sit back, and I feel like it's a flashback. I feel like I'm watching my story, and, you know, I... It's something that you don't want to go through with anybody. I don't. I don't wish it on my worst enemy for them to feel this, this hurt, this pain, this worthless. You know, like you're un, unworthy of living, of being a mom. Or I just. Um, I'm glad that I got away. I'm glad that I got out. I'm glad that I survived. Um, I'm glad that I had the strength to walk away, even if I didn't have the strength to do anything else. In this time, I'm, I walked away. And to me, that's bigger than anything. 